were doing without him because they weren't connected to him properly. And it said they had no hope and were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood or brought in close, we could say, by the blood of Jesus. So we're seeing something now that we have the blood of Jesus and we have him and we have all that pertains to the covenant, we're not without hope. Hallelujah. We have all kinds of hope. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 a minute. Look at, look at something here. We're just getting started. We're not in a hurry tonight, but I won't keep you, you know, unduly long because I've got some ministry I need to do, but we need to talk about these things a little bit here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're talking about, and I think Jordan hit on something I want to re-encourage you in. Get your hopes up high. Have a dream. My gosh, have a dream. Brother Hagin said one time, I'd rather have a big dream and only accomplish 50% than to have a little dream and get it 100%. You can see where he's coming from. Have a big dream. Have a big, you know, you know, when I grew up, I was such a small thinker. I don't know if you guys relate to that. I lived in a little town called Fairborn, Ohio. Uh, it's still about the same, maybe smaller today. And I worked, uh, you know, I worked at a cement plant right after I got saved. I'd been a drug addict for three years. I'd fried my brains, and, I, and we're thinking about hope now. And I went in there one day to, to fill out a questionnaire to be a laborer. I wasn't going to be a nuclear physicist, you know. I'd been a drug addict for three years, running around doing dope, shooting dope, snorting stuff, living wild, running with wild people, running with people that worked at bars and danced and worked in bikers and felons and just a rough crowd. I, I didn't intend to be that way, but I ended up that way. And I went in there to fill out a questionnaire that should have took me about 10 minutes max, and I sat there for an hour and 20 minutes trying to figure out how to write things. And when I came out of that building, I mean, there was probably six or seven people had came in, filled out their questionnaires, and left the building, and I was still sitting there trying to figure out how to fill out a simple questionnaire with probably... You know, my address, my name, my birthday, I don't know, three or four other things or something. And I felt so mental. I can't, I can't tell you how I felt. I just thought, man, I am really bizarre person now. And I went to my car in the parking lot, and I started bawling. And I said, God, I'm sorry. But I don't know how I'm going to make it. I've just fried my brains, and I... And then the devil jumped in there with me, and he said, yeah, and you did it to yourself, smart aleck. And I said, yeah, I did. You know, I was just young in the Lord, just barely saved at that time, so you can understand I'm not understanding to resist the devil and listen to God and all the things that go with all the, you know, more mature thinking about things. And I just thought, man, I'm never going to be normal. And that freaked me out. I'm never going to be able to think right. Am I going to be like this the rest of my life, I said. And the Lord responded to me in that car that day. He said, I'm going to help you. <laughs> and you know he did. And he put my mind back together. He put my ability to think clearly back together. It took a little while. My wife remembers. I, we would eat dinner the night before, and somebody would say, what did you have for dinner last night? I, I don't know. What did I have for dinner? What did we have, honey? And, and my mind was just seemed so scattered during that time in my life and because of drugs and abuse and all that stuff. But God began to restore me. And my wife noticed at first when I began to witness to people. She said, did you realize you quoted eight scriptures to that person in about 15 minutes? I said, no. She said, yeah, you did, honey. 
And, you, and then it would go on, and I would, I would get in my Bible. See, I'm trying to see, help you to see if you're ever going to have hope, you're going to have to get in your Bible. Yes. And you're going to have to believe God to help you too as, as he wants to help you to restore your mind. And my point is, you know, I was just a small thinker. If you would have told me back then when I first got saved, I'm going to, be, I'm going to go on 90 mission trips. I've been on 90 mission trips now. I've been all around the world. I've spent about $300,000 just to go somewhere else to preach to somebody else that I didn't know. That's not including my church work. If you'd have told me I was going to write a book, I'd have laughed at you and said, you've got to be crazy. I can't hardly speak. What do you mean, write a book? Now we've got three and we're working on two others. Now I'm not, I'm not doing that to make you feel favorable towards me. I'm just trying to show you what Jesus will do for you. I thought I was going to live in Fairborn the rest of my life and work at the cement plant. But he changed all that. You know, the more I got to know him, the more he knew me. He knew me anyway, but the more he related to me. And he started speaking to me then after a little while. And he started saying, you're in the wrong slot, son. Wrong slot. You know, then I went from uh, working in a cement plant to being a construction worker. And I was that for about three years, had one more year in my apprenticeship, and I would have been a full-blown carpenter, a journeyman. And he said, I want you in Bible school by August down in Louisville. So there we came. Didn't hardly know much then either, but still know that God had called me and sent me somewhere, sent me down here to get some education. And, and, and it just goes from there. But the Bible and Jesus is the one that's put in me to have a vision, yes. to have a vision of anything. I remember when I was real young and had little babies, you know, now they're all grown up with their own babies. And I said, God, I will do anything you ask me to do. I'll go anywhere on the planet you ask me to go. But by God, you're going to make sure my children stay with me. You're going to make sure that, that I'm going to impart to them, be able to live my life for you and impart to them how important it is to know you on a personal level and obey you. And we've tried to do that. I made mistakes, but they, they love God like I do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that all came by God putting things in me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, then he told me different things, you know, to start the church I'm in today. And I pastored two other churches prior to that and was youth minister in two other churches. Would have stayed there and been a youth pastor to this day if God hadn't moved me. I wasn't in it to get, a, I wasn't in it to get promoted. I was in it to obey him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you realize what I'm saying, but Hallelujah. You know, we're talking about having hope. Bible hope comes from knowing God. I never dreamed of doing the things I'm doing today, and, and they just kind of come naturally now. I'm just, you know, just, I didn't know how to do any of it when I started. None of it. I was just a dumb, small thinker. But God changed all that, and he, he began to put something in me to go after stuff. And then I've had help from a lot of other people who knew new things about different parts of life that I didn't know, seem to know much about. Hallelujah. And you can accomplish a big dream. What if you had a big dream and you only hit 40% of it? You'd still surpass most of the people that you know on the planet probably. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, let your, let your hopes be high. Let your hopes be high tonight. Let me, I want a couple of quotes here. We're going to look at Hebrews 11 verse 1 in a minute. A person who controls their mind controls their life and a person who controls their life controls their destiny dr lester summerall said that a person who controls their mind controls their life 
And a person who controls their life controls their destiny. Dr. Lester Summerall. The greatest power that the enemy has is the power of suggestion. Kenneth E. Hagin. The, de- the devil will throw a suggestion at you and it's to do, do wrong or to do evil or to do something that's contrary to the scriptures. But all he can do is suggest it. And if you don't bite on it and you don't yield to it, then it just goes away. Or you could rebuke it, take authority over it. You know, all the things that you would do as a believer who knows how to do that. This is why it's important to have the Bible in you. Not just, you know, laying somewhere, but you got this Word of God in you. All right, let me read something here Smith Wigglesworth says. I find, I find that uh, if I find my peace is disturbed, this is, this is uh, Smith Wigglesworth, on any line I know it is the enemy who's trying to work because the Lord has promised to keep my mind in perfect peace when it stayed on him. Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth. They say he raised 23 people from the dead and he was an illiterate plumber Never went to school a day in his life. He was in England, grew up in England. I went and visited his grave with Dr. Dr. Dufresne just two, three, four years ago. And uh, we visited where he used to preach, a little, little old building with his wife. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he really didn't do much for God until he was about 49 years old. Isn't that something? Lived to be 87 or 88. Hallelujah. And raised 23 people from the dead. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about men that did great things, but they didn't have some kind of real uh, great education. They said, he, he said of himself, I never pray over 30 minutes, but I never go 30 minutes without praying. Think about what kind of lifestyle that guy lived. Yeah, yeah. and he was at a funeral one time, and uh, he had a driver, you know, with a horse. He lived back, you know, back a ways. And he said, take me down to the, uh, not to the funeral, uh, but to the morgue. And, and he went down there and he grabbed that body. It had already been embalmed and picked it up. He was a real strong man. Picked that body up and threw it over his shoulder and walked downtown three blocks to the church where they were having a memorial service for the dead guy. And came through the back door and walked up the aisle with the dead corpse on his shoulder. People were screaming and hollering. Stuck him in a chair on the platform and says, Brother so-and-so's got a testimony to give us. And he came alive and got up and gave his testimony. Well, how does that happen? Well, you've got to be a person that doesn't pray over 30 minutes but never goes 30 minutes without praying. See, he had a lifestyle with God. That's what I'm trying to help you to see. And sometimes it's not always your education that makes you do great things. It's your knowing God that helps you to do great things. We're not against education. It has its place. But we just remember to dream a big dream. Hallelujah. Pastor Nancy says, Worry will open your mind to the devil depression and sickness I read that again worry will open your mind to the devil depression and sickness are you listening to me so we've got to quit worrying we've got to quit being upset over things we've got to learn to get our handle on the word of faith the word of God and it'll settle things for us and help us to move forward in peace in peace in the peace of God hallelujah praise the Lord I'm in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at verse 1 here. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what we see in this is hope is like desire. What do you desire? Your faith brings the things you desire to pass in your life. Faith gives substance 
to hope. hope. Hope doesn't have substance in and of itself. Hope is like the thermostat. I saw somebody pushing a thermostat over on this wall a couple of days ago. You know, that thermostat won't mean anything unless it's connected to some kind of heating and air conditioning unit somewhere outside this building. Where it'll cause things to kick on and push in cold air or hot air, whatever we need it. See, but 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 faith is the substance that brings the hope to you, the thing you dream about, the thing you hope about. Yeah, you 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 shouldn't be dreaming about stuff you don't want to come to pass. You should be dreaming about what you do want to come to pass, and then assign your faith to that and begin to talk about it and say it and begin to dream it and meditate on it and think and feed it with your, feed your faith constantly, and your faith will bring substance to the thing that you need and the thing you desire. Hallelujah. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I remember I was on a mission trip many, well, maybe 10 years ago in Columbia, South America. They put me in a Holiday Inn, and I went in, I saw a thermostat on a wall, and I said, well, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm just talking to myself. It turned it down to 68, and I went and took a shower, and it was still hot in that room. I thought, well, that thing must not be working good or something. And I turned down to 66, and still nothing ever kicked on. And when my, the preacher of the church came and picked me up, and I went to his church and preached and drove me back to the hotel, I said, hey, Pastor John, would you go in and talk to him about my AC? It's not working. He busted out laughing. I didn't think it's too funny. I said, what you, what's so funny? He said, oh, Pastor Jacobs, these came from America by ship this building, and they just took the, the walls, their prefab walls, they got stuff connected uh, to them, and they just set it up and put it up in the room. There's no AC in this hotel. <laughs> so they had a thermostat, but it wasn't hooked to anything, so it couldn't bring anything to me. Are you getting it yet? You could even have faith in your heart and never hook it up to anything, never get anything. And I know your pastors, all the pastors represented here, and they preach faith. I know they preach faith, so you're getting taught if you're a church person, if you're a church girl, church man, church man and woman, boy or girl, whatever, you're getting faith, but you've got to hook your faith up to your hope to bring it to pass in your life. Or you'll just be the same next year as you are today or worse. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've seen them come, I've seen them go. But, I mean, those of us that keep lasting, we know this and we live in this and walk in this every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I remember Jordan going through what he told you last night. I appreciate his message. So sincere. I hated to see my son go through that. And I was believing God with him and for him and did all I could to help him. But he, he had to walk it out too by faith. I couldn't carry him everything he does. See, that's another thing. Now, you know, I'm, uh, my children are, my daughter's in her 30s and Jordan's in his 20s. And they got about 13 or 14. I don't know if they remember, but I set them down. And I said, now, I can't carry you on everything the rest of your life. You need to know that. You better get in your Bible. By the time you're 16 or 17, it'll diminish my ability to carry you. I can agree with you about anything the rest of your life. I can always agree with you. But I can't carry you with my faith. You're going to have to have your own faith, your own relationship with Jesus. Thank God they have. Well, you heard my daughter. So he had a brain tumor and had children born that had issues and, and different things, and Jacob's had cancer. See, but they, they have their own relationship with God. Not that I'm not believing with them. If they want me to, I believe with them. Praying for them every day. Hallelujah. And the grandkids too. But you know, as they get older, you just have to learn you have your own relationship with Jesus. 
See, that's what you should be reaching for in everything that your pastor's teaching you and what you've learned at camp. You can have the relationship that I have or better if you do what we do to get it. And you ought to be reaching for it. And sometimes your parents aren't going to help you. Sometimes your parents are way behind you because I know some of your parents. That's all I'm going to say about that. Everybody has to make up their personal decision. I'm going to use my faith to please God. I'm going to use my faith to serve God. And I'm not going to be destroyed because the devil's mad at me. He is going to be mad at you the rest of your life. You might as well just settle it. Just, just push him back. He pushes, just push him back. <laughs> Resisting. Yeah, hallelujah. You want to rebel against something? Rebel against everything the devil tells you. That would be a good thing to do. Be all the rebellion you want against the devil. Yeah, just put it on him thick and heavy. Hallelujah. But your faith is the substance that brings the thing you hope for to pass in your life. You want to have a different life? You're going to have to use your faith and put it on the hope of whatever it is that you want to believe for. Hallelujah. And you could pray for your parents. That's good, and I'm sure many of you do, and that's appropriate too. So we're talking about hope tonight. We could say your desires. Hope is your desire to live for God. But this is the definition I got on hope. To reach forward with a view to possess something or obtain something. To reach forward with a view to grab a hold of something and catch a hold to it and obtain it. That's what hope is. Hallelujah. But without hope, which is like a blueprint, there's nothing for faith to give substance to. You've got to let the Word put an image on the inside of you of what you can be in Christ, what you can do in Christ, what you can achieve through Christ, and then put your faith to that, that you can do that. Hallelujah. I'm not teaching on this subject tonight of deliverance, but uh, my goodness, all of you ought to be able to cast out the devil by the time you're 12 years old if you're listening to your pastors, if they know what they're doing. I've taught my people. Yeah, work on the devil. Work on him. Instead of him working on you all the time, we hear enough testimonies about that. And I mean, you know, he worked on me one time with the pain in my side for 14 years. But I got on the other side of it with determination. Now, you know, after three years during that time, I got really defeated and disgusted and wanted to go home, wanted to go to heaven. I didn't want to live in pain the rest of my life. And the Lord said, you're just about there. You've about connected your faith to heaven, Michael. If you do that, you're going to come regardless whether you want to stay or not, if you keep on believing for that. And he said, you're going to have to let me know something. I said, well, I'll get back with you. And I spent about two weeks of really soul searching my heart. And at that time, I didn't have Jordan. Jordan hadn't been born yet, and I hadn't fulfilled my ministry yet. And the Lord said, I'm not even going to tell you what you could have done because I'm not going to influence you, but you better get it straight, son. Your faith is starting to get attached to heaven, and if it ever locks on to heaven, you're coming home. Because you understand faith. See, he, he responded to me like, uh, you know what you're doing and you better let go of this thing if you don't want to come home early. That's what he said to me. And then he said, it's your decision. You can do whatever. But if you do come home early, you're going to miss out a whole lot of stuff. And he didn't even tell me about Jordan. All right, praise God. I'm just talking to you here. See, and I had to change. And I said, finally, I just said, okay, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to stay and fulfill what you've given me to do. And it was another 11 years before I got delivered from that pain. But see, I just made my mind up. I wasn't going to get pushed out, driven out, and drove out by the devil. Yeah. 
And sometimes you just have to be tough on yourself. I'm not talking to you to be tough on you. I'm just talking about me. You just have to get tough on yourself sometimes. The devil will just flip you around, you know, with the littlest things. Hallelujah. So we're learning about hope because hope is important to us. Hope is important to us, to have hope in our heart about what we want to achieve and want to do for God. Let's, let's go over here to Romans a minute, chapter 15 with me a minute. You learned anything yet? Yes, Praise God. We, we just want to teach a little bit. We've just been going maybe 10 or 15 minutes here. We've we, we got a few more things we want to teach you before we, let you before we start ministering to people and everything. Everybody's just done such a great job. Romans 15, verse 4 tells us something that's uh, important and valuable to know about hope. It says, For whatever things, Romans 15, 4, whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So that tells us where our hope's coming from, from the Scriptures. Yeah. Hope comes from the Scriptures. Hope comes from the Scriptures. Yeah. All right. And notice that it says, uh, it says here that through patience, so we, sometimes it takes some time to get the word in us, and comfort of the Scriptures. This is why we need to get the Scriptures in us, because it brings comfort. We might have hope. If you get the Scriptures in you, you'll have hope for anything. You'll have a desire to achieve things. You'll have the wherewithal to lay hold on that by your faith and cause that to come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it's amazing here what we can find. And the Amplified says you can get encouragement drawn from the Scriptures. Encouragement comes when you draw that from the Scriptures. See, this is a problem sometimes as people are not giving themselves to the Word appropriately. They give themselves to a lot of other things, but you've got to put the Word first place in your life. That's what you've got to do. I'm just telling you, I've been there... You, you try to do it a different way, and it won't work for you. There's other books you can read. Some of them are really good. I have a big library. You know, most of my books are afraid of me, though, because if I find any unbelief, they're going right in the shredder. <laughs> I put them right through the shredder. Boom. I like shredders, too. Boom. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just telling you, you've got to stay with the Word. You need to wear you some Bibles out like I have, where they don't stay together anymore. I got them duct taped, and they fell apart. And, and some of them, I just, I, you know, I just let them go. But some of them, I got two or three of them just, just all shredded to pieces practically in my home that I've used over the years, and many more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a perfect guy, but I pay attention. I get in the Scriptures and let the Scriptures get in me. I'm feeding my faith. I don't let a day go by that I don't listen to Dr. Dufresne. He's in heaven, but he's still my spiritual father. Hallelujah. I was with him 20 years, and I, and I still didn't get everything out of him that I needed. What I mean by that, I'm still listening, and I'm picking up things. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, I was in that meeting, and I heard him say it. There I am sitting. But I didn't hear that the way I heard it just recently. See, I'm not shredding all his tapes just because he's gone. He was my main feeder and main person in my life for 20 years, and God put him in my life to help me get somewhere. And I'm still getting somewhere through him with his help, I'm connected to Pastor Nancy right now, of course, you know, and still in FOF and still a part of that organization and plan to stay that way. But my point is, you know, I'm feeding my faith. 
And I'm not running around all over the country going to every kind of a meeting you can imagine. And there's meetings in Louisville just coming out the wazoo, but you know, I just don't go because sometimes people are just not in my company, in my opinion. Maybe not your opinion, but my opinion. I got a right to my opinion, just like got a heart. You got a heart too, you got a right. But really, I'm trying to stay with God and stay hooked up with people that are in our camp. See, word and spirit. Word and spirit, people. Hallelujah. Am I making any sense to you? And your hope can grow and grow if you'll feed it and get around people that can feed you, stuff like that. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 here. Look at, look at this with David. Uh, you know, we're talking about hope tonight. And he had kind of a rough way to go here in, in 1 Samuel 30. Uh, the enemy uh, that he was fighting somehow got back into his camp when he and his men were off fighting someplace else. And they stole his wives and his kids, and they stole all the women and their children and, and uh, burnt, the, burnt their camp down. And so you can imagine what, uh, what things were like, starting in verse 3. 1 Samuel 30, verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captives. What a pathetic situation. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, until they had no more power to weep. You know, you've got to be hurting when you can't cry no more. Yeah. I've only been there twice in my life where I couldn't cry anymore. Yeah. I was so brokenhearted. I was just, I wept until I couldn't weep no more. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there a couple of times. Not many, but a couple. It's a very odd feeling. And, uh, and that's what happened. They were all so distraught over their wives and their children being taken captive. They just cried until they couldn't cry anymore. It's a pretty pathetic situation, really. And David's two wives, verse 5, were taken captive, Ohenoam and Jezreelitis, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Car Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. He's the leader, so it's his fault in their mind, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This is what I want to share with you. You can get to the place where you learn to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Thank God for pastors and thank God for other leaders and thank God for good parents that know how to encourage you in the things of God. You know, some can, some can't. Some just hold you and cry with you and maybe that's a help too. But, but what I'm talking about, really spiritual help and maybe there's few and far between that can do that in your life. But thank God for the. But you need to be a person that can learn to and get to the place where you encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You can encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And the, and the, the Hebrew there says he encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Of course, I don't read the rest of the story. I just wanted you to see that about he encouraged himself. He didn't have anybody to turn to. Everybody was just uh, despondent. Everybody was depressed. Everybody was upset with him. But he knew how to get with God and encourage himself in the Lord his God. Think about that. What kind of people would we be if we learned to do that? Sure, we need other people. Don't misunderstand me. And, and it's good to have really strong people around you that can encourage you. But sometime, just perhaps in your lifetime, you're going to have to learn to just stand alone periodically and learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Yeah. You know, big people, we grow up and have to do that. Not everybody that's grown up like me does that, but I did it. 
And I have done it, and I will continue to do it. Because I want to be a kind of person that God can trust with things. Hallelujah. And you could be that person too. Hallelujah. I know I'm stretching a little bit on you, a little bit, but listen, you can do this. I wouldn't be preaching it if you couldn't achieve it. Hallelujah. We're talking about some things here that are vital. And he sent his, and anyway, they eventually got everything back, all the people and all the stuff that they had taken, the enemy had taken, it all got restored to them in this chapter. That became the outcome of it. But I wanted you to see that you could encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 in talking about that, encouraging yourself. 1 Corinthians 14, if you'd look over here with me a minute, that would really help me. And I hope you're getting something out of this about hope. Man, just let the Lord just build you up in your hopes until you just feel like you're just so big on the inside. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. I could look back now and see where certain things that I'm involved in today would overwhelm me 10 years ago, overwhelm me five years ago maybe. But, but you know, God's helping me and he's, he's, bringing, he's bringing more hope to me as I feed on his word and I believe him for it. Yes, believe, him for, believe him for the finances to do what I'm called to do. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I just told you that a minute ago, just in traveling. I'm not talking about my meetings in the States. I'm talking about me going to another country for the last 25 years. It's cost me $300,000 to do that. And only one of those trips as a missionary or somebody else ever paid for it. The other 89 I paid for myself. And I didn't go around begging people for the money either. But God's taking care of that and helped me to go because he told me to go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Of course, that's changing some now. Some people are really starting to pick up and help me a lot more than they ever have. And people, some of them, I don't even know them. You know, praise God. See, but God will help you if you just do what you need to do at your level and just move ahead. And then, then it, God catches you up from time to time. And he'll open up things and it'll get stronger and wider and thicker. And you'll have more influence and more power and more finances and more, more things that God will take care of in your life to help you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to look at verse 4. I'm talking to you about encouraging yourself in the Lord your God. And I said the Hebrew meant, said encourage and strengthen yourself. And so David did that. Of course, he wasn't spirit-filled, but I'm talking to you now as a New Testament believer that should be spirit-filled if you're not and speak in other tongues. Amen. Let's look at what it says here in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue or in tongues, edifies himself. And that word edify there literally means in the Greek there, he improves himself or he moves himself forward. He moves himself forward. He improves himself and he moves himself forward. And what I wanted to say about that just for a second here, take advantage of the fact that you speak in other tongues. Make it a daily practice in your life and expand that. And if you only pray 10 minutes a day, you know, and you just got spirit-filled, that's fine. But if you've been at it more than a week, shame on you. You ought to be expanding that to 15 or 20 or 30. Or if you say, well, I'm just so busy. Well, you're too busy then, number one. But other than that, as an excuse, 
You could break it up in four 15-minute intervals maybe if you were really busy and you could put in an hour a day. Or maybe some of us, we could put in like two or three hours a day. But you'll have to clean your plate from other activities sometime. You know, your TV time has to go way down and your recreational time might, you know, have to go put on the back burner if you do. But see, we're talking about people that really want to grow and expand and have hope in God and have, have a big hope in God. And know God well. He's going to take praying in tongues. It's going to help us. Not to cure all, but it's going to help us a lot if we'll extend ourselves. And we improve ourselves when we do that. You know, I always say this jokingly to my own congregation. If the only time you're ever praying in tongues on the way to the emergency room, honey, you're way behind the eight ball. You wouldn't even be going to the emergency room if you'd have prayed enough in tongues to begin. On the front end of that, you would have knocked some of that out. Hallelujah. Are you listening? I'm trying to help you. But I can't do your praying for you just like I couldn't for my babies. I can't do it for you either. I could pray for you some. I could encourage you like I am tonight to tell you the importance of praying in tongues. And sometimes I've had to do that for a long period of time. You know, four or five hours sometimes occasionally I've done that. Not bragging. And you know, if you're not ready to do that, you'll just wear yourself out. But you can get ready to do that if you extend yourself a little at a time. And if you pray enough and then get quiet, God will speak to you about what else you need to do to begin to move in the Spirit more. See, this is why I'm saying I stay in in my own company because a lot of people are just great preachers, but I don't see any moving of the Spirit with them much. And, you know, we're going to move in the Holy Ghost in a little bit. I'm moving in Him right now, talking to you about what I'm talking to you about. It's going a little different direction than I anticipated but I like it hallelujah he that prays in tongues or he that speaks in tongues edifies himself he builds himself up on the inside see the reason sometimes you can't take the pressure that you feel like is immense against you is because you're not built up enough if little things bother you the Bible says you know uh Uh, you know, when things come against people, sometimes their strength is small when it comes to these type of things I'm talking about. But it should be the other way around for us as believers. Our strength ought to be vibrant and strong and powerful. We ought to have courage when it comes to the things of the devil and and the things that that, uh, the enemy tries to pull on us and, and be able to overwhelm him, not have him overwhelm us. Now, I went through things like my son taught. You know, we're not saying we live in some plastic bubble up here, but I'm just saying that we've got to learn to extend ourselves and get ourselves over in the Spirit. And if you're looking for a lot of encouragement, honey, you're just not going to find it. I can tell you right now. You're just not. You're going to stand alone in a lot of these things if you really want to do what I'm teaching you. It's up to you. I'm going to stand whether you stand or not. I'm determined I'm going to stand whether my family wants to stand or not. I'm determined I'm going to stand whether the other preachers around me want to or not. I'm just talking about how you have to think about this. Not that we're better, not that we're more anything, because that's not what I'm preaching. But you just have to make some of these hard decisions on yourself and enforce it. You have to enforce it on yourself. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're, we're talking about some things and talking about how to move ahead in the Spirit. 
Hallelujah. How are we going to protect ourselves? My son used, and I won't go there, but it was Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you get sick of heart, that's the worst kind of sickness you can have because then nothing's working for you spiritually. You're just left up to the natural resolve, natural world to help you, and, and they don't got a whole lot sometimes. They do the best they can many times, but they just don't have the real answers. So let's see here. What can we do that we don't get heart sick then? Number one, we need to go to church and hear the word preached. Do you know that verse, um, come to church and hear the word preached? Um, what, what is that I'm trying to think of, Father? Romans 10, 17 says, Then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In the context of that, in Romans 10, 14 through 17, 17 says, So faith cometh by hearing, doesn't come by praying, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's talking about when an anointed man or woman of God get up and preach. Like Pastor Sousa there, David Sousa, he really ministered to me today, this morning. Hallelujah. And then Jessica ministered to me. You know, different ones. Everybody that's spoken here and the singers and, oh, man, Devon, man. And, uh, you know, at one night he got caught up in the Spirit and it was just him and Jesus. You could feel it on him. You could see it on him, you know. He just called, I don't remember what he was singing, but he, it was just precious to me. Yeah. I thought, praise God. And the Spirit of God came on me through that. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I like it when people avail themselves to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and, you know, they love other, other people, but they're just caught up with Jesus. And, and just want to yield to him fully and completely. And, and it's like, you know, they don't even hardly know anybody else is there at the moment. It's just precious. That's why this meeting is so significant, I think, for me. I like coming. I'm not just to preach. I mean, I'm thankful and honored that they would ask me to preach. But, you know, just to, but we need to come to church. This, I'm just giving you some simple basic things. Come to church and hear the word preached by your pastor because they're anointed to preach to you. Amen. That's the kind of word that faith comes in. When somebody's anointed to preach to you. See, that's the context of Romans 10. You know, it is true that faith cometh and faith will come quicker to you if you'll say the word out of your own mouth. <laughs> that's true too. But at the same time, when you're sitting under people that are anointed to minister, then secondly, you, you need to read your own Bible or, you know, I hate to say it, but your electronic devices. If you rather have electronic device and that helps you more, that's fine. If you're really devoted to it, then use it. Use the technology if you want. I'm not against that. But you're going to have to have that personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Yes, Are you reading your own Bible or your own, own electronic device or whatever you do, you know, that you normally do, and to feed on the Word of God. That's what I'm trying to get into you. Read your own Bible and know where things are at and things like that. And then last but not least, prayer. Your prayer life is critical to stay in communication with your Father by praying in tongues and also praying in your understanding, praying in, in English. You know, most of us here speak English. That's your normal language. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. I don't know if you're still there. I stayed there. I don't know if we went somewhere else and I quoted. But anyway, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. If you would look at that with me just a minute, I'd appreciate it. 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 15 says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, 
You know, that's like praying in tongues, praying in other tongues. Or I can pray with the understanding. Father, we thank you for your anointing tonight on this service. And we pray you saturate every person. See, that's praying in English or praying in my understanding. My mind knows what I'm saying because I'm speaking my own language here. But I'm also able to pray in tongues and speak my own personal prayer language to the Father. So both of these are contributing to my communication with my Heavenly Father. And that's what I'm saying to you. Don't leave out your prayer life. Don't leave out your prayer life. And, and you ought to, that's another issue there. I'm just talking to you a minute, that you ought to put a premium on your, prayer, your communication with the Father every day, with Jesus every day, the Holy Spirit every day. You know what I'm saying. Whether it's praying in tongues or praying in English or, or making certain confessions that you should make over yourself, over, you know, uh, your, your friends, your pastors. Hopefully you're praying for your pastors every day and for their safety and for their finances, for God to bless them, take care of them. May the Lord protect them and help them and anoint them and use them and, you know, things like that. And, and, and what I'm saying to you, learn to... Learn to have your own dialogue with the Father every day. Yeah. You could leave that out, and after a while, everything gets kind of starchy. Everything almost gets religious. I'm just telling you what I know. And, and you just have to maintain that personal one-on-one -on -one in your prayer time with the Father. And I just try to tune in to the Father all day, off and on. You know, it's not like I'm taking a break from tuning into Him. But, and I pray different things for diff at different times. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I'll pray about my church and pray over my family and pray over my children, my grandchildren. don't have any great-grandchildren yet, but I'm praying. I'm praying for my family, praying for my church family, people in my church, praying for my sons and daughters that are connected to me, these pastors back here at that table. I pray for them every day. I pray for Pastor Nancy every day. You know, I pray about people I care about. And then if the Lord lays somebody on my heart, then I maybe get over in different realms then of intercession, different, different, and sometimes even, you know, deeper levels of intercession maybe if the Lord encourages that and moves me into that, I'm available. Hallelujah. You know, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be available. I had a guy in my church God woke me up one night and said, get up. He even told me who I was praying about. He gave me his name, and I prayed in the Holy Ghost for about 45 minutes, and I knew I had victory. I just knew I had a victory, a note of victory in my prayer time. And so he was in a serious automobile accident the next day, and the people, the EMTs, came to take him to the hospital, and they said, normally we take people that have been in this kind of accident that you've just had, we take them home in a body bag. But all he had was a bruise where his seat belted jerked him when he crashed. He's had a big bruise across his chest. That's it. No, no, no cuts. He, he didn't have no surgeries. He, he wasn't bleeding from anywhere other than just a big old bruise where his seat belt had caught him. But see, we'd prayed the night before. And they had that happen several times over with different people. Not that we know everything, but when God gives them a prayer assignment to you, we need to be sensitive to that. Lord showed me a little Japanese guy or oriental looking person. He had some kind of a weird, one of those round looking hats on. He was fishing in a little pond there. And the Lord said, I want you to pray about his salvation. 
I had a vision. I saw this Japanese-looking person. He could have been Chinese, Asian of some sort, or Korean, but I think he was Japanese. But anyway, nonetheless, I prayed until I had a note of victory. I just believe I'm going to see him in heaven. Just by himself fishing with a little pole and a bobber, you know. Hallelujah. Now, we don't have that every day, but when we do have it, we pay attention. You know, but if you pray more, you'll have more things that'll occur like that, maybe supernaturally. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm helping you. I think I just helped myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hope is of your mind. And so we, we have to understand that, the importance of that. Now let's look at Colossians here. The book of Colossians chapter, chapter 1. If you would look over here with me just real quickly, I'm just about ready to, to stop. And uh, we, we got a list of things that Father told me to do, and he may add something to that. I don't know, you know. It just seems like so many have been ministered to already, but I'm open to the Holy Ghost too. And uh, we have some specific things he told me to minister. Uh, but here I'm in Colossians 1, and 21 through 23 here, it says... Uh, Colossians 1, 21 through 23, if you'd look at this with me just a minute. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled or brought you into the family in the body of his flesh through death, his death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Look what he did. He made you holy and unreprovable in his sight because of Jesus Christ. And then he says this in verse 23, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. That's what I want to talk to you about just a few minutes here. Don't let anything move you away from the hope that's in the gospel. There is no hope apart from the gospel. And when I say gospel, I don't mean just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I'm talking about the letters to the churches, the epistles they're called, Letters that says all it means. Somebody said, Are the epistles or the wives of the apostles? I, no, the epistles are the letters like Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, Romans, Galatians. And you need to get familiar with that part of your Bible if you're not. Because you're not a Levitical priest. You don't live in the Old Testament, or at least you shouldn't. I read the Old Testament too. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But I want to know what I am in Christ now that I'm in Him. That's a whole different animal than all these people that lived under the Old Covenant. Mm -hmm. And that includes, you know, mostly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John too, because Jesus, the New Covenant wasn't cut until He died and went to hell and resurrected. You see what I'm saying? And He was still alive in His physical body when He was here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We should read that and learn about His ministry and who He was and what He did and how He did it. But what we really need to know is who am I now that I'm in Christ? You and I both have authority I don't think we've ever dreamed about, and most of us never tapped into yet. You're one spirit with the Lord. You and I, are, we're one spirit with Jesus, and he's, he's the head of the church. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, so are you. Authorities, powers, and principalities are subject to you and me and Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you don't use your authority, he's not going to use it for you. I can tell you that. So that's why I emphasize staying over in these New Testament letters, and this is where we're getting this concept. Don't let anything move you away from the hope that's in the gospel, in the, in the New Testament. Yeah. 
That's what I mean when I say gospel. The New Testament. So we have a couple of things we wrote down to thinking about it today. Number one is 1 Corinthians 7. Look over here with me quickly, just a minute. This isn't going to take us long. Just want to talk to you about not letting anything move you away from the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And that's in 1 Corinthians 7, 35. If you'll look at this verse with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 35. And it says, This I speak unto you, uh, this I speak for your own profit. Uh, that means uh, to move you ahead. Not that I cast a snare upon you for that which was calmly. And here it is, that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Listen, you're going to have to learn to captivate your thinking. When you, when you sit down in a chair or whatever you're going to do and you say, Father, I worship you and bless you and love you, you can't be thinking about a turkey sandwich. You can't be thinking about calling Sister Sue or something else. You've got to you learn to attend upon the Lord without distraction. Even good things, the devil will try to tell you, you should be thinking about this and you've got to go here and you've got to go there. Well, you, you might as well forget worship. You haven't worshiped Jesus. Your mind's cluttered up with everything else but him. And so is mine if I'm like that. But we need to learn, this is what I'm saying, don't let anything move you away. Learn to attend upon the Lord without distraction. I think it was my daughter, I don't know if it was her or not, and she was talking. I don't, I don't think it was, uh, I, I think it was when we were in worship one night. I don't remember now, but I think it was Jessica, and she said, that's what she looks for, that peace. See, that's when you attend upon the Lord without distraction. You're not thinking about your children right then. You're not thinking about your marriage right then. Of course, most of you are not married, but you're not thinking about a girlfriend, a boyfriend, or school, or, or, or what you've got to do when you get back home. You're just attending to the Lord without distraction. I don't think most people do, even do that, personally. My personal opinion. And I think that's why they're so you know, dogged out with the devil and not too, not too able to keep themselves pulled into God like they need to. And you have to practice that. I had to practice. I'm still practicing after all these years, locking myself in with God. Not that I lock my house and get on my knees, but just locking myself in to pay attention to him and only him right then, not thinking about anything else that needs to be done. At that moment, just worshiping him, attending to the things of the Lord without distraction. You know what I found in life is a lot of things are not evil, they're just time consumers. And they get in your mind and you think about them until they just, they just max you out with thought life. And you try to go pray and you're, not, you're, you're, talk, you're saying words, but you're someplace else in your head. I think we'd get a lot more out of our church services if we were able to attend upon the Lord without distraction. And worry is, a, worry is one of those issues that people come to church and are full of worry and fear and unbelief and doubt and everything else. And, and we're up there preaching and we've labored for hours sometimes to get the word to minister and people are so consumed with other things they're not even listening. I'm not complaining. I'm just showing you what I think, you know. And so we need, to, we need to do our part to attend upon the Lord without distraction. 
you know, I tell people, if you want to fight with your wife, go ahead and fight with her. But by God, when you come to church, stop that nonsense and come in here and shut up and listen to me. Maybe you can find a solution for the bickering and the strife at home. Oh, I know you don't want to hear that. You're just teenagers, right? But we're just talking here. We're talking about learning to attend upon the Lord without distraction. And if you can't do that, I don't know how you're going to hear from heaven much. How many gets this? How many really got what I'm saying? And all I'm saying is we just have to pay attention to ourselves that we don't get inundated. A lot of things that I would maybe, maybe want to do today, they're not evil. They're just time consumers. I don't have time in my life. I'm already going to be 65 years old. I don't know how in the world I got here so quick. Seemed like yesterday I was 23. And then the day after that I was maybe 31. And I don't know how I got here, but I just don't have 30 years just to frivolously live my life anymore. I'm not looking forward to retirement. I'm not planning on it. I'm planning to do my best writing, my best living, my best preaching, my best ministry as I get older. <laughs> and God's going to take care of me and help me and provide for me and be a help to me. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not bragging on me. I'm talking about all this has come through Jesus. Anything I have or anything I've achieved, I give him the praise. I know what I was, just a burnout drug addict when I found him. Hallelujah. But he changed all that. I'm not a burnout drug addict. I'm not a frustrated drug abuser now because I don't do dope. I'm not frustrated. I just wanted you to know that. I'm not a frustrated ex-smoker. I'm not a frustrated ex-drug addict. And I don't like doing the things I used to do. I just want to serve him and love people and help people. Hallelujah. Hey, praise God. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Yeah. So we got to let nothing move us away from the hope of the gospel. And one of those things is learning to attend upon the Lord without distraction. Let's go over here to Luke 10. I'm going to make this my last scripture uh, because we got some things we need to do. My goodness, it seems like you guys just pull stuff out of me. And, uh, you know, we got a lot more, but I'll reserve the rest. I am going to read something off of a sheet when I get done preaching, and I don't want you to try to write it all down because you couldn't do it that quick. But I just want to read something to you in a minute. But let's look at one more reference here, a little passage about how to not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. That's what I'm talking to you. Because if you let things move you away from the hope, then you lose your hope. Then what do you got for your faith to work on? Yeah, and so it, here, here it is, Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42, the story of Mary and Martha. You've probably heard this before. It says, now it came to pass, Luke 10, 38, as they went, they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received Jesus into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to do all this work? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. It's not the food that's bothering you. It's all your lifestyles bothering you. You're full of care. You're full of worry. You're full of, you're full of, and care, in other words, you've got a careful, you're full of care and troubled about many things. 
And then look at verse 42. But one thing is needful. How many? How many? Just one. And Mary chose the good part which shall not be taken away from her. See, you have to choose every day. I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and really, and I mean this with all respect, you've just done that through me. I've been preaching the word to you. I haven't preached my opinion. I just preached the word. And so you've been sitting at the feet of Jesus because I'm in his place right now ministering to you his word to help you to see this. And you'll have to make that choice every day you live. And there'll be a lot of things around you you can get involved in and they're good. Some of them are really good things. But like Martha, don't be a Martha your whole life. Just troubled and worried and frustrated about all that's not getting done. You're going to have to lock in and sit at the feet of Jesus and lock in and receive from him. And Mary chose that part and Jesus said it won't be taken away from her. See, other things you hear can get taken away, but you don't want that to be took away. You want to sit at the feet of Jesus and lock in with him and let him minister to you whatever he needs to minister. Hallelujah. Well, that's my message, and the angels help my words tonight. They're helping working with my words a lot these days. Now, hallelujah. I want to just read something to you that's, I wrote this myself. It came over a long period of time, and some things, and this is some, what I teach at my mentoring class sometime. I want to just read. I want you to listen to me because these are all things that will really help you to grow in the things of God. Number one. You don't have to write this down. You, I'm not trying to slow down to read it so you can, but I'd like you to just listen. Fall in love again with the Word of God. It's your life. Fall in love again with the Word of God. It's your life. Don't fall in love with just being a preacher, being able to speak. Fall in love with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Constantly grow in the things of the Spirit. There's no limit. Now, we sang one of these songs. I forget what it was called. Take me where there are no borders, something like that. That's what, that, that reminded me of what I wrote this long time ago. No limit. You're a new covenant spirit people. Feed on the things that edify you and challenge you. Don't feed on things that are mediocre. Feed on things that challenge you. If I said something in this service, you thought, man, he's radical. Well, good, take it. If I, if I came across radical, you, that's something you need. You don't need somebody to just come tell you everything's going to be great. All right. No, it's not. Not unless you choose the right things to think about. That's right. Hallelujah. So I said, feed on things that edify you and challenge you and make you think correctly. Make you think correctly. Spend time, spend more time fellowshipping with the Father and learn to enjoy it. You know, I hear people talk. There's a lot of things people enjoy to do, but... What we need to do is learn how to fellowship with the Father and enjoy it. Fellowshipping with our Father ought to be an enjoyable time. I love it when He speaks to me. I just, I'm so taken back. And I've been in this over 40 years. Even this meeting here, God's spoken to me several times during praise and worship, through somebody speaking through the ministry time at times, different, different, just different things, you know? I've been so thrilled to see Pastor Randy get ministered to. He's been through a hard time. You know? It didn't destroy him. 
He's received ministry. <laughs> See, that's, that's, what, that's what this is all about. And stay with your own company, your spiritual father, and your local church. Stay under your pastor and be close to him. Even if you don't have lunch with him, just, just feel close to him. And when he's preaching, listen to his words or her words or, you know, whatever. And pray in the Spirit more than you think you can. Pray in the Spirit more than you think you can. I, I was invited one time, I'll, I'll close with this story, and I got one more little thing I wanted to read. Uh, a Church of Christ brother, Brother David, asked me to come speak at his youth convention. And I said, Robert, you got the wrong guy. You're Church of Christ, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, you're Church of Christ like Church of Christ, Church of Christ, Church of Christ, right? You're not Pentecostal Church of Christ, are you? No. And he said, God told me to ask you to come. I said, well, you know I speak in tongues, cast out devils, pray for the sick, and get radical sometimes. And he said, I know, and I want you there. And I said, well, if you really think that that's the Lord, I'll come. And so they were having this camp up in Indiana. It was about five hours and ten minutes away from where I live. I'm thinking about praying in the Spirit more than you can. So I got in my car that day, and I said, well, I'm going to pray in the Spirit for an hour. And I prayed in the Spirit for an hour, and I thought... I was by myself, just driving along, going to this camp, you know, Church of Christ camp. And, uh, and so I said, what the heck, I'm just going to pray to another hour. So I prayed two hours. Then I said, well, I'm just going to pray another hour. I prayed three hours. And I said, well, I'm just going to pray another hour. I prayed four hours. I said, I'll just pray a third, uh, the fifth hour. And I prayed for five hours and ten minutes. That's all I did. I had some water with me to drink, things like that. And got there and got in the first service with these Church of Christ teenagers it was a small group about 10 or 12 and I don't remember what I even taught and I said I'd like to minister to you I don't know what your needs are and this little girl standing next to me she's about 17 years old and she leaned over and whispered in my ear Pastor Jacobs I can't think anything clean anymore my mind is filled with filth and I whipped around and grabbed her by her head and said come out of her in the name of Jesus and that devil, you know, and threw her on the floor, and she began to writhe around, and about 10 seconds later, she got delivered. Wow. Yeah. Hallelujah. So I'm just saying, you know, I didn't think I could pray in the tongues for five hours and 10 minutes, but somehow that day I did, and I don't know why I did it, because it was for her. Yeah. And the rest of them got some ministry too, but she was the most dramatic. You know, chairs went flying everywhere. She was... But it was so precious, she said, oh, my God, I can think clear now. I said, oh, praise God. Yeah. And last but not least, just remember the supernatural is available to you right now. Remember that the rest of your life. The supernatural is available to you right now. Hallelujah. We're supernatural people. We serve a God that's supernatural. And we need to remember the supernatural is available to us right now. All right, let me see what I got here. I wrote down some things today.